what is the Aaron Rodgers contract going to look like? There's no simple answer, but we are going to dive into it on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangreenNation.com. Thanking you for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you're listening to the show, please give it a five-star review on whatever podcast source you're using. If you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help Locked On Jets out and help other Jets fans find us. Today we have our weekly mailbag show. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Each Wednesday we try and do a mailbag with listener questions. Our first question is about Aaron Rodgers and his contract. Originally the thought was that if Aaron Rodgers played two years, the Jets would have $60 million in dead money in 2025. Has that changed with the contract restructure? And how is next year's $107 million spread out to future years? That is a great question. And for the weeks leading up to the trade, I was giving you what the contract was with Green Bay. Now that has changed. Rodgers had to restructure his contract before the Packers sent him to the Jets. The Packers essentially needed to redo the deal so that they would not be hit with more than $40 million worth of dead money. And in the process, what happened was the contract changed. So the current terms of the deal are that Rodgers is slated to make around $1.1 million in 2023 and $107 million in 2024. So I think needless to say, it's very unlikely that either of those figures is going to remain. I think it's possible. I mean, I don't think it's likely. It's possible Rodgers may just say, you know what? I've made enough money. I'm happy to be out of Green Bay. I'll play for $1.1, $1.2 million with the Jets in 2023. It's pot. I don't think it's going to happen. It would be surprising, but, you know, it's not It's not implausible. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility. It's only very unlikely. But, you know, Rodgers may just say, I'm happy to be here. I want to help the team win the Super Bowl. I got enough money. Let's just, I'll get, let me play for close to the minimum, and we'll build the rest of the team out. That would be great if he did it. I don't know if he's going to. I think we know for a fact he's not playing for $107 million next year. It would make sense for the Jets. So what are the new terms of the deal? Well, the thing is, we don't really know. What I was giving you was what the terms were before the trade. And those terms had the Jets taking on a lot of dead money in the future. And those terms could return. But really, a lot of this is up to Rodgers. How much money does he want to take on? And there's also a question of how the Jets are going to structure this deal. Now, right now, that $1.1, $1.2 million that is owed to Rodgers in 2023, the restructure, in a way, helped the Jets because... They, they are tight on cap space currently. So the fact that now Rodgers only counts for $1.1, $1.2 million against their cap, that helps them out. That gives them flexibility because under the old contract, Rodgers counted for $15 million against the cap in 2023. The Jets would have had to clear cap space out. Now, he only, at the moment, he only counts for $1.1 million. So even if Rodgers ends up like raising his salary, which we're expecting, for now, he's only counting $1.1, $1.2 million. So the Jets will need to move some money in the future. The, the Jets will need to move some money in the next couple of weeks if that contract goes up. 
and Rodgers' cap hit for 2023 goes up. But it buys the Jets some time to think this through. It buys the Jets some time before they need to make those cap maneuverings. Ultimately, though, this is really up to Aaron Rodgers. How much money does he want to make? And it's also up to the Jets, because the Jets could restructure this deal in a way that essentially pushes a lot of the money to the future. You know, if the Jets want to give him less than $15 million this year, they want him to count for less than $15 million against the cap, but want to give him the same amount of money, you could structure a deal any way you want in the NFL. So I was making, and I have to, I have to admit, I was working under a mistaken assumption, which I don't think, based on what we knew, was a necessarily a, a terrible assumption to make at the time, but I'll, I'll tell you, I, I was working under an assumption that proved to be inaccurate that he would be playing under the exact same contract now they could very very realistically rework the deal and essentially put you back under the same terms where Rodgers makes 15 million dollars this year and 45 million dollars goes to future years and then if he plays next year essentially and retires after that year the Jets would be hit with 60 million dollars in 2025 but it's difficult to say right now it's it's really up to Rodgers if Rodgers is willing to take a pay cut then it certainly would help the Jets out a lot and if the Jets want to restructure the deal they can push even more dead money to the future or they could, you know, they could take the cap hit this year or next year. So nothing's done yet. We, we don't have any terms yet. So it's a great question. We just don't have an answer right now because a lot of that's up to what the Jets and Rodgers have agreed to. And there's yet to be any sort of reporting on that. So stay tuned, I guess. That's the only way we can answer that question. Our next question, with the Billy Turner signing, it seems like the Jets' offensive line group is filled out and there will not be any other major additions. I feel like Dwayne Brown and Lake and Tomlinson are locked into the left side of the line, but other than those two, do you think the Jets have an ideal starting five at this point, or will it be a true competition in training camp to find the best grouping alignment? What is your prediction for the starting week one offensive line barring injuries, and what are your thoughts on either Tittman or McGovern possibly playing guard if AVT has to pop out to tackle? I think four of the spots are set right now if there are no injuries. I, I think you were absolutely right. I think it's going to be Dwayne Brown and Lakin Tomlinson on the left side of the line. I think on the right side of the line, the Jets have Mekhi Becton penciled in at tackle, and Elijah Vera Tucker is penciled in at right guard. I think center is where the competition will be. It'll be Joe Tipman, the second-round pick, against Connor McGovern. To me, that that's really where this is heading. And I think the Jets want Tipman to win the competition. I think whenever you draft a player... In the second round, you're hoping he's able to step into the starting lineup right away. I think it, really that's the goal. So, and I think beyond that, the Jets brought back McGovern as insurance. And I thought it was a smart move by the Jets because they went into that draft not desperately needing a center. If they had not signed McGovern, then you, you get to a spot where maybe you feel like you have to reach for somebody, even if he's not the best player available. Whereas if you have McGovern, you know you're not desperate. So if the best player happens to be a center and it happens to be good value... Well, McGovern's only back on a one-year contract worth around a million dollars, so you could draft somebody for next year. So I like the way they, I like actually like the way the Jets hand, handled center in the end. It took them long enough to bring McGovern back, but they ultimately got a good deal. So you know, good job by the Jets there. I, I think they want Tittman to win the job, though. I think when you, when you have a cheap veteran, he's there in case the, the rookie's not ready. You want Tittman to step right in. You want you want Tittman to be there for ten years. You want him to win the job in training camp, and then you don't have to worry about center for another decade. Will that happen? I don't know. But I think that that's really where the competition is. And I think Tippmann's got some stuff to work on. I think he's not all the way there technically yet. I think there, there are mechanical things that he's, he's got to improve. He's got to clean up. So we'll see. I think that that's where the battle is. Now, I could see either Tippmann or McGovern moving to guard. Now, I think the, the addition of uh, Turner may change things. But I kind of feel like what may happen is, is if a tackle goes down, I guess you could say that, uh, I guess you could say that the guy they just signed... 
Turner you know, could conceivably step into one of the tackle spots. But I, I think there's a pretty good possibility that uh, Tip, either Tipman or McGovern replaces Vera Tucker at right at right guard, and then Vera Tucker slides out to tackle. I think that that's very plausible, and that might be my preferred approach, because Vera Tucker showed that he could handle tackle last year when he was pressed into it. He may be a better guard, but he showed that he's not overwhelmed to tackle, even if it's just for a short stretch. Now, head here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we will continue this weekly mailbag show. Jets fans are worried about that condition on the Aaron Rodgers trade. If he plays 65% of the snaps, the Jets give, have to give Green Bay a first-round pick. Is there a way to work around it and still win games? I don't think so, but I'll explain why as we continue this Wednesday episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. You Knicks fans must be excited as they evened up their second-round series against the Miami Heat last night. Well, you should make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So if you put money down on the Knicks and somehow they lose Game 3, well, FanDuel has you covered. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, and it's not just for Knicks Heat. Of course, there are other NBA series going on. You have Boston, Philadelphia. You've got the Lakers and the Warriors, the Nuggets and the Suns. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen every day. You everydayers who tune in Monday through Friday through the week, you should know that tomorrow we're going to talk about some moves that the Jets have made. Even though the draft is over, the Jets are still bringing in players. I'll give you my thoughts on signings like Randall Cobb on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Jets. But today we're focused on our weekly mailbag. And thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Our next question comes in from TJ. TJ writes, I will start by saying I'm one of the few that believes Zach Wilson still has a chance to at least be a mediocre quarterback in this league. Do you think the Jets could try and get Zach enough playing time in low-risk situations to get Rodgers under the 65% playing time threshold? This would allow the Jets to keep their first-round pick next year. For example, if they get a three-score lead by halftime, could Zach play the second half? If they're up two scores after three quarters, could he finish the game? With this defense, I think these would be somewhat fair circumstances. Then if Rodgers is injured for a couple of games, or if they they clinch and don't need Rodgers to play Week 18, they can play Zach, maybe they built up enough snaps to keep Rodgers under 65% and keep the first round pick. Would they even consider it? I doubt they would, but I would love your take. So the question is ultimately, in the Aaron Rodgers trade, the Jets have to give the Packers a first round pick in 2024, unless Rodgers plays less than 65% of the snaps. So the question is, can the Jets maneuver this to get Rodgers under 65% of the snaps? And the answer is, I don't think there's any way that this is going to be the plan. There's no way the Jets brought in Aaron Rodgers to play less than two-thirds of the snaps. I mean, it just wouldn't make... I just don't see how you make that trade under those circumstances. I under, I appreciate the effort, because 2024, as shaky as the 2023 draft class was supposed to be, and we did never know for sure a year out, but the people in the know seem to think that the 2024 draft class is going to be excellent, and it's not going to be a great year to lack a first-round pick, which is the, what the Jets will do unless Rodgers plays less than 65% of the snaps. But... The Jets did not bring Aaron Rodgers in here to play less than 65% of the snaps. It's a valiant effort to try and save a first-round pick, but I think the way you have to look at it is the Jets decided to give up a first-round pick for Aaron Rodgers, and they put some small protections on, and those protections are not so that the Jets can maneuver Zach Wilson enough snaps so that Rodgers falls below the threshold. The protections are in case Rodgers suffers a serious injury and has to miss a significant amount of playing time, and we could debate whether or not these protections were enough. I don't think they were, but... 
the Jets viewed this as we're giving up a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers and we'll build a little bit of insurance in. I mean, I don't think that there's any, I, I think they'll get the work Zach Wilson into games if like they're, they're blowing a team out. And I think that, you know, if they're up three scores in the fourth quarter, then they will. I don't think they're going to pull Aaron Rodgers at halftime of a game, though. I mean, you see big comebacks. Can you imagine what would happen if the Jets were up by 17 at halftime and they put Zach Wilson in the game and the offense stalled and Zach throws a pick six and then the, the other team came back and won? Well, it would not be a happy episode of Locked on Jets and I would not have a lot of happy listeners. I, I just don't think they could do it. It's a valiant effort, but I, I don't see how they can do it. And yeah, if the Jets are blowing the other team out in the fourth quarter, Zach will come in. But, I mean... For that to ha- for that for Zach Wilson to get enough snaps in blowout situations, the Jets would have to be one of the greatest teams in NFL history in 2023, and I, I don't think that that's very likely. And yeah, maybe Week 18 if they've clinched a spot, they'll play Zach. But that's to keep Aaron Rodgers healthy. You have to remember Aaron Rodgers is 39. You don't want him going out there and getting hurt in a big game. So I do think we'll see Zach Wilson to points this year. If Aaron Rodgers goes down, that changes everything. But I, I don't think the Jets are going to make any sort of concerted effort to keep Aaron Rodgers below the 65% threshold because if they were going to do that, they could have made the threshold more favorable or they could have just negotiated a way to not give Green Bay that first round pick. I think the way you have to interpret what they've done is they've decided to give up a first round pick to Green Bay and we can debate the wisdom of that, but I think it's gone. I think that pick, you have to view it as that pick is gone. So that's just, I just think that's the way, that's the way it is. Our next question, who... Who snaps from last year's defensive line rotation do you think Will McDonald will steal from? Is John Franklin Myers moving inside? Will Carl Lawson be cut, or does he get snaps at offensive line? Uh, or will McDonald get snaps at offensive uh, outside linebacker where Quan was lining up? I'm not sure who comes off the field for him. I can't believe it will be the sophomores. Can you? Well, I don't know that the Jets are necessarily going to divide their snaps the exact same way they did last year. I think Robert Sala's dream is to just have guys rotate in. I, I feel like Robert Sala, outside of like your Quinn and Williamses of the world, Robert Sala likes to roll these guys in and out like he's got hockey lines. And he wants to have enough quality that you're not going to have any drop-off. I don't think it's the worst strategy in the world. I think you try and keep your guys fresh for the fourth quarter, especially as you're holding a lead trying to close out a game. But... You know, I don't know it's necessarily this guy. I think it could be a combination. I think it could be, you know, Carl Lawson maybe plays a little less. Maybe you know, Bryce Huff loses some snaps. Maybe there is some John Franklin Myers moving inside. Uh, the one thing I will say, I, I don't think McDonald's going to play linebacker. I've been watching him pretty extensively, what he did at Iowa State. I don't think this is a guy with great instincts. And a linebacker, you got to have great instincts. What I think Will McDonald's good at is you, you line Will McDonald up across from an offensive lineman and say, go beat that guy, get upfield. That's what Will McDonald's good at. He's, I don't think he's great at reading plays. I don't think he's great at diagnosing what's in front of him, you know, going to get the ball. I think you – I see some plays where he was kind of like the zone read guy that they read, and, and I thought he kind of struggled with that. I think, you know, there were times where he got fooled a little bit. And a guy like this, I mean, he's going to give you way more value from getting after the quarterback. Because, again, what Will McDonald can do is when you line him up one-on-one against an offensive lineman and say, go get to the quarterback, that's what he could do. So that's his strength. I, I don't think McDonald's playing offensive line. Now, I do think, based on what the Jets have at tackle – John Franklin Myers is probably going to have to play inside a little bit more. And I've been trying to get away from this idea because John Franklin Myers has been so good at defensive end that I don't want to take, you know, it's like the guy's been so effective in this area. Why are we taking him away from it? But I just think of the way the team is constructed right now, it's going to be very difficult to not have John Franklin Myers play more on the interior at defensive tackle. I, I just think that that's, that's the way it is right now. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I I would guess that the Jets are going to just ro- constantly rotate guys in and out. Maybe it's a situation where, you know, some guys lose snaps, but 
I, I think I think Robert Sala likes it this way. I think Robert Sala likes having a lot of different guys he can turn to. Next question. Hey, John, you've talked a bit about how the Jets have restructured a lot of contracts and pushed money into the future. Can you put into perspective how just how much money they've pushed back? It seems like they it seems to be adding up at this point. And I wonder if it's going to be a year or years in the future where they really have to pay the price of that. So I've done a little back of the envelope math and I've kind of like added up the the restructures they've done and also the players that they've signed. And for players that they've signed, I'm looking at guaranteed money in 2024 and beyond. At this point, this is before Rodgers. I think it's around like somewhere in the $50 million range, 5-0. So, you know, it's not a small amount. Um, you know, it's not necessarily the type of thing that would put the Jets into great cap peril, but it's going to limit their flexibility in the future. Now, some of those some of those dollars are going to be pushed out over multiple years, so it's not like it's $50 million just for 2020, uh, 2024. You know, some of that will be stretched over a multi-year period. So it's getting to the point where it is adding up. And there probably going to have to be more more of those to come because they don't really, you know, they've still got to clear out some cap space to for probably fit Aaron Rodgers in, then to sign their draft picks, then just to have enough cap space to maneuver during the season. So it's, a, it's getting up there. You know, we'll see how much more that they add. Now, as we continue on this Wednesday mailbag edition of the Locked on Jets podcast, we will look back to last week's draft and we'll talk about a decision the Jets made to draft Will McDonald over a wide receiver, a wide receiver who may have played in the slot. Is that a sound decision? I think you could argue it is. And I'll explain why as we continue this Wednesday mailbag edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. This is the Locked On Jets podcast. On this Wednesday, we're doing our weekly mailbag show. Our next question, is a situational pass rusher who plays maybe 25% of the defensive snaps worth a number 15 overall pick? That question is about Will McDonald. In the long run, no. And I've actually done a little research. I was putting it together for an article, and I tried to look at, figure out what the expected performance is for a 15th overall pick at the defensive end position. So I looked at defensive ends who were drafted, you know, three picks earlier than 15, so I, uh, 12 to 18, essentially three picks earlier, three picks after. I looked at every defensive end who was drafted since 2000, and what I came up with was... About the middle of the pack guy averages about six sacks a year. He's a starter, I don't know, five to seven years and makes one or two Pro Bowls. So like in, a, in his career year, he's going to be a Pro Bowler, but he's not going to be a consistent Pro Bowler. And that may seem low, but yeah, you have to remember, lots, lots of guys are busts in the first round. So to me, that's like the threshold is that Will McDonald has to become a starter about a seven, you know, the average is six. So if he gets to seven a year, then he's above average. And if in his career year, maybe he gets 10 and he goes to the Pro Bowl, that's about what you're looking for. I don't think if he's playing 25% of the snaps and is a purely situational guy that it's worth the pick. But I don't think that the Jets are looking at him to do that, except for maybe his first year. That first year, lots of rookies kind of ease their way into the league. They have more of a part-time role. I think by year two, the Jets want Will McDonald to be a starter. And part of this, he's got to put on some bulk. You know, he's, you know, he's in the 230 range. He's got to probably add about, I don't know, 20 pounds or so to hold up and you see you see it in his Iowa State film he gets pushed around a little bit but he can get to the quarterback and if he fills out and you know he can he I think he's I actually think that the more I watch this the more I feel like this pick is maybe a little underrated by Jets fans I think that this guy has a shot and I don't know if he's going to but I think he's got a shot to be an excellent player our next question a lot of people wanted Jackson Smith and Jigba at 15 but since he was likely playing the slot with the Jets would it really be worth the 15th pick as opposed to an edge rusher? Any slot receivers taken this early in recent memory? Um, 
the NFL's changing, so I think it would have been fine. Again, I like Will McDonald. The more I watch this, the more I feel like this was a pick that has a shot. I think, like, 10 years ago, probably not, certainly 15 years ago, you'd never draft a slot receiver in the first round because there was a time in the NFL where the slot receiver was a situational player. He would only come onto the field in passing downs. The base set was two backs, one tight end, two receivers. Your slot receiver may come on the field. He'd be a specialist, though. Be a little guy who maybe can move the chains on third down, you know, run an option route. Um, That's changed. In the NFL, the dominant personnel grouping is now one running back, one tight end, three receivers, and that third receiver is your slot guy. Two years ago, Cooper Cup was the best receiver in the NFL, and he ran primarily from the slot. The slot's changed. The league has changed. The league has evolved. So I don't think it would have been a problem to do it. I do think positional value matters. I think slot receiver is a very high-value position, though, in today's league. It's kind of interesting because I'm not sure the league has caught up to it. I think especially when you look at the other side of the ball, great slot corners still are going day three. You have some day Look at the top slot corners in the NFL. Lots of day three picks, lots of undrafted free agents. It's like the league is not caught up to how important this is, and it's it's become a critical spot. So I don't I, I don't think it would have been a big problem with that. I don't think that's the reason the Jets shied away from taking the receiver. I just think they liked Will McDonald. I thought I think that you know after Broderick Jones, and my theory is that Broderick Jones was the guy that they wanted. I could be wrong, but I think that that was the guy that they wanted. Once he went away. And once he was drafted by the Steelers, they just decided that McDonald was the better player. I don't think it was necessarily a thing where they were picking defensive end over receiver, though, because, again, receiver was a pretty, you know, uh, defense, the slot receiver is pretty valuable in today's NFL. And our last question, which day three pick do you think will make the most immediate impact? I don't think this is close. Uh, to me, it's Israel Ibanaconda, the running back out of pit in the fifth round, because I see a clear path to him getting playing time behind Brees Hall. And by the way, Brees, I think the Jets are going to ease Brees back into the lineup. So I don't know that they, I think, I think especially in the early parts of the season, Brees Hall is going to be on pitch count because you want Brees refreshed. You don't want, you want to, you don't want to run Brees into the ground, especially coming off an injury right off the bat. You want Brees to be there in November and December this year because Jets really missed him when he wasn't there last year. So I think they're going to ease Brees back into the lineup, even though he's the number one back and behind him. Well, Michael Carter's coming off a disastrous second year. Bam Knight, he looked good for a stretch and then really fell off near the end of that season. So there's a clear path for Israel Abanaconda to earn playing time. He could be the second back this year. And I don't think that there's an easy path for any of the other day three picks. I think the other day three picks are depth guys. They're developmental players. Abanaconda, he's got like a burst to him. I mean, he could he could... He could add some home run ability to this offense. So that's my guy. I, I think if I think if we're talking about who on day three can contribute immediately, he actually might end up having the biggest impact as a rookie in this entire class. Because Will McDonald's probably going to be a situational player. Joe Tipman may or may not start. Uh, there there may be nobody else. He actually it's weird to say a guy who was picked not even early day three could have the biggest impact among Jets, Jets rookies, but that's the running back position for you. Sometimes guys step in and sometimes they're able to produce. So this is a guy I have my eye on, Israel Abanaconda. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening. Give this episode a big thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Helps the channel out, helps other Jets fans find us. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.